welcome to the You on the Camino podcast for and about first-time pilgrims on the Camino de Santiago in Spain with your host, guide, and longtime pilgrim, Nancy Reynolds of the Camino Experience. Hi, this is Nancy, and in this episode, I will be sharing with you a conversation I had with Pilgrim Kathy from Dallas, Texas, in late July 2022. At that time, Kathy was in the middle of her preparations to walk the Camino. And as this episode is going live, Kathy is about to take her first steps on the Camino Trail. While this is not the first Pilgrim Conversation published on the You on the Camino podcast, Kathy was the very first Pilgrim I had the pleasure of interviewing. I hope you will enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Here we go. I am delighted to introduce to you Kathy Gatil, who is coming to us from Dallas, Texas. That's right. And Kathy, I'm, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm really tickled to be uh, your, first, your first guest. Oh, I'm so glad you agreed to chat with me. And when we were chatting earlier, I heard so many things that I think will really be useful and helpful and beneficial to other people who are getting ready to walk the Camino. And it's their first time. And I think that's so important is to acknowledge it's the first time you you've never, have you ever done anything like this before? No, no, no. This is probably the most, I've done things to be brave, but this is probably the biggest thing I've ever done, at least in a very, very long time. Oh, I'm cheering you on. I'm just so excited. And it's such a delight to me to get to witness the lead up to your journey is that there's so much gold here. There's just so much gold and there's so much honesty and authenticity and humanity in getting ready to walk the Camino in something that's completely unknown. I mean, you've done some research, yes? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, when I first started being interested in it and started to do knew that 2022 was going to be the year because there's a lot of postponement and a lot leading up to it, which I'm we'll cover later, but I reached out to uh, North Texas American pilgrims and I asked, is anyone interested in training? And I was so blessed to find three other women who had already been on the Camino and they were, they too were going again. They, in fact, they've already gone and come back and we're all the same age. You know, we're all in our sixties or seventies and we just have been great cheerleaders for each other. And me not really knowing what I'm walking into, they have been so encouraging. Excellent. And you found them through the local chapter of American Pilgrims? I sure did. And I reached out and three women responded. And I was like, how about all all of us getting together? And we would make dates. And we actually had this amazing calendar that uh, we had all our names. And then these are the dates that I can walk. And uh, we just picked places, preserves or parks or whatever. And we would show up and many of us would uh, gradually put on our backpack and our, and our trucking poles. But these women were just angels here on earth for me, honestly, honestly. I love it. There's such a great community of people who have already walked the Camino who are so eager and ready to help future pilgrims. That is so true. I 
I think it blows me away how welcoming and um, the pilgrims, especially if they have experience, because, you know, I really equate this to having uh, my first child. You, uh, I think about it. I pray about it all the time, but no one can really tell you what it's going to be like for you to have that first child or to go on your first Camino. That unknown is exciting, but it's also very anxiety, you know, ridden. And the best advice they gave me was to really be internally and externally prepared. And I thought that was really great advice. So the walking, the exercising, and um, I think you encourage squats. <laughs> and so I have added that to my repertoire of, uh, of walking. Strong quadriceps, strong quadriceps. And I want to let make sure that people know why I suggested that you add that because you're going to be walking the first couple of days up and over a mountain. So would you tell us a little bit about when you're walking and what route you're walking and how did you choose that route? I am walking the, the French route or how do you pronounce it? Fran, uh, France? Francaise. Okay, route. And one of the reasons I was very interested is I was in Lourdes a number of years ago, and Lourdes is a very, a very holy site for Roman Catholics. And I remember just being in awe of the Pyrenees Mountains. And I also had already been thinking about going on the Camino. I just didn't know when or where, or it was just something that I thought I wanted to do. But as I did more research and I saw that when you're going up the Pyrenees, at one point, there is a small blessed, blessed mother. That was like, I've got to do that. That's, that's the way I need to go. And, you know, I have really asked, uh, I have really been praying and asking the Blessed Mother to pray for me through this whole thing. And uh, in fact, I was looking at my prayer journal and back in 18 and 19, I was when I started praying about the Camino. And then, of course, like so many, COVID hit and delayed my, my Camino and then I was not going solo and I was only going to go for a few weeks. And then my dear friend since fourth grade, she and I were going to go. She had a bad hiking accident and really hurt her ankle. And after multiple surgeries, she just said, Kathy, I just can't do it. And it was like a, a blessing. And it was like good news, bad news. It was really bad news. And, and she's healed and she's doing better. But that strenuous of a hike is just not something she either wants. She's already done the Camino. She's done a portion of it. That was the bad news. The good news was it left me open to do the entire Camino. And I was like, okay, the Blessed Mother is on this. <laughs> it's great. I'd like to clarify a couple things, if I may, for people who might not know about this the Frances route, which it starts in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port. And my French is horrible, so that might not actually be how you say it. But that route coming out of Saint-Jean goes up and over the Pyrenees. And many people do it in one day. Some people do it in two days. But about three to four hours out of Saint-Jean, on the left-hand side, there's an outcrop of rocks. And that's where that statue is, the statue of the Blessed Mother. And so as you're walking, you're just, you know, you're uphill, 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 and you're, the road's about to veer off to the right and off to the left, there she is. 
See, I just, and I, I have a real affection for the Blessed Mother. I've been to very various pilgrimages to Marian sites where the Blessed Mother has been. So the Pyrenees was definitely a consideration. Now, it was definitely a consideration. Great. So that's the other reason why I suggest doing squats, because it is uphill. If you're thinking in feet, it's a 4,000 foot elevation gain out of St. Jean up to the top of the hill. Strong quadriceps will really help you out there. And I am planning to do it in two days. Oh, good. Where will you be staying on your first day? The first night is Orison, if I'm saying that correctly. Close enough. So how, how do you pronounce it? Well, the, my understanding of the French language is they don't pronounce the N at the end. So it would be Orison. Orison. But that's, that's about as close as I can get. So Orison is wonderful. What have you heard about it? You know, I haven't heard a whole lot, to be honest with you. All I knew was I did not want to injure myself early on. <laughs> I don't want to injure myself at all. But, and I really felt the need to take a break. And some were set, suggesting that uh, location, others, Borta. Borda. Yeah. Albert's Borda is new on the horizon or new on the landscape. It just opened a couple years ago and it's only about a 15 minute walk past Orson. It's a smaller place, but like Orson, it's got a wonderful view of the Pyrenees mountains. It's just the location cannot be beat. And the hospitality at both of these places is just delightful for your first day out. Oh, that's great. It's a great thing to look forward to, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You have to have something after climbing. <laughs> well, yes, that and good food and maybe wine or whatever your beverage is. Definitely an adult beverage. I'm imagining you in St. Jean-Pied-de-Port and I see you looking at the mountain and you've got your backpack loaded. What are you thinking and feeling? What are you anticipating about those first couple days? I think really recognizing. I'm there. I am really going to do this Camino. And for me, I'm, I'm a, a person of faith. So, and I'll get real teary eyed, just wanting to make it. And wanting to make it. Is that make it to Santiago? What, what does make yes. it mean for you? Well, yes. Wow. Now yeah, it's, there's so much emotion that goes with this especially after we've been planning and preparing and anticipating. And there's a lot of things to do to get you to that starting point. And you mentioned it earlier, they recommended that you focus on the internal and the external journey. I think that's such a great idea. Otherwise, you get to St. John and all of a sudden you realize what you're doing and your, your heart just jumps into your throat. And you're, uh, oh, no. <laughs> right, right. I, you know, there are a million, a million thoughts, even from Madrid getting to St. John, there are a lot of thoughts and being anxious, really being cognizant of listening to my body. You know, I am 63, I'll be 64 in November. So really wanting to make sure that I am, I'm listening to my, my body and not overdoing it. Another piece of advice that my Camino buddies had given me was Go at your own pace. Don't worry about who's ahead of you or behind you, that you need to do it. You need to do your own Camino. And even reflecting on what does that mean to do your own Camino? Part of it is very much a faith journey for me. You know, we get so wrapped up in the busyness of life 
how many times do we really take pause and, and even reflecting in my prayer journal, I pray for everybody else. And yes, I've been praying for my Camino and for good health and safety. And I pray for other pilgrims, but the being able to really spend that time meeting other people, of course, and, and other cultures, that's exciting to me. But really spending that time with God is, is really probably what's pushed me and pushed me and pushed me when it's been hard. Anticipating it, being excited, being scared, and really wanting to meet other people. It sounds perfect. It sounds perfect. Do you have any types of rituals or routines or practices, spiritual practices that you'll use as you walk? That is so funny. You should ask that. That's like a God thing because um, I was just thinking about it yesterday and today that a lot of times when I've gone on pilgrimages, I've really opened up to my friends and family and asked if I can take any prayers with me and, and offer them up. And I definitely plan to do that. But, you know, I'm thinking it's going to be 33 to 40 days. And I want to devote each day to someone that's asking me to pray for them. So I have my own list of people. And but just really spending that time, really wanting a way that this journey can help as well as of course, giving myself time to really self-reflect. And like I said, in that busyness of life, even those that are that pray every morning, there are still times when we need to connect on such a more interpersonal level with God. Back in, I want to say it was maybe 2016, might have even been earlier than that. Actually, it may have been more like 2012. I served on a council at my church and there was a gentleman there that was very excited. He was gone for, you know, almost a month. And when he came back, he had all these seashell pins for us and, and, you know, different cards for us. And he had just done the Camino de Santiago and, but he was doing it because one of his cousins, all of his cousins did it. It for a cousin that was back home suffering with cancer and they cycled. And that was the first time I heard about it. And, you know, you hear Santiago and I don't speak Spanish. I don't know what that means. And when he told me it was St. James way, it was like, Oh my gosh, he's like my main man. <laughs> I mean, I have such a connection to St. James. You have, and that's when it became this is something I'm going to do. I never put it on the calendar then. And then I got more serious in 16, 17. So here I am. I'm excited. I asked for the intercession of St. James to pray for me as well. I don't know if I've answered your question. I've just rambled. I apologize. You have. You have answered it. And you've said some really great things. I mean, St. James, as the central figure of the Camino de Santiago, I think it's statistically, there are fewer people who would say that they're going for St. James and that they relate to St. James the, the way that you do. And I think it's just so wonderful to hear. And you use the word pilgrimage, which pilgrimage is different than regular travel or other types of travel. And so when you talk about your prayer practice and you talk about a connection to St. James, that's the richness of this particular pilgrimage for you. 
And you also talked about how you really see that it is different for everyone and your pilgrimage will be unique. Because St. James, oh man, you know, I, so just to give you context. So I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Swickley, uh, Pennsylvania, and I went to St. James Catholic School all through elementary uh, up until high school. Then I got married at St. James Church. And during my 20s and my, you know, spiritual journey then and really my faith formation, when I read the book of James, which you can read in 20 minutes, (laughs) it really, it changed, you know, not just living without getting real religious, but without just living the commandments and the Beatitudes, St. James really asks you to, to live according to the word of God, the Bible. I mean, that is basically the theme, but he also talks about the best ways to do that. How are you helping people? Are you extending yourself to other people? Are you judging people? So a lot of the book of James has always carried with me through uh, my faith formation and just the way I decided I needed to live my life. So knowing that this was, you know, I've been on a Mary pilgrimage for the Blessed Mother, now to actually be walking with one of the first disciples of Jesus, that's one of the aha, I can't believe I'm getting to do this, you know, without getting all choked up. Getting choked up is just fine. I when I when I hear your story, there's been a couple points where I'm like, oh, oh, okay, okay, I'll hold it in. It's just so beautiful to witness this part of your journey when you're not there yet and you don't actually know what's going to happen, but you're looking at the mountain, literally and phys- and excuse me, literally and metaphorically, you're looking at the mountain and knowing that the Blessed Mother is with you and Saint James is with you. One of the things that I love that St. James says is to, you know, when you face various trials, that is when you've got to kick in your faith. This is the time to really, so that it's more steadfast. And I think that it's going to be hard. I know that this won't be a cakewalk. And I think that's another appeal as a woman in her 60s. And I know there are people that are older and younger that have done the Camino, but they're not me. And, and it is a big deal for me to go alone. I'm going solo now. My biggest worry when Diane, you know, had to acquiesce and back out was I made the decision right then and there. I want to do the whole thing, you know, God willing, of course. And I did not know how to tell my husband, not just that I was going alone, but that I was going for over a, you know, a month and a half. And we do all our adventures together. So I was really, you know, we've been married 37 years. And I was very, very worried about how he would react to it. I put off telling him, oh, you know, month after month after month. And finally, especially when um, I found my Camino buddies in the new year, I decided, okay, he needs to know what my plan is. I, I, I need to, res- I respect him enough to, to ask him when I went to him and told him I wanted to do the whole thing. And he really didn't know what that meant. And then that I was going alone. He first objected to going alone. He was very, very worried. He actually mentioned it to me this morning after I got back from my walk. 
And I said, well, you need to understand that it's 500 miles. And that means it's going to take a long time. (laughs) And he said, but, you know, Kath, I know this is part of your faith journey. And I know you have to go. And I just, just treasure that moment. That must feel great. Just amazing to have his support. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And he was really cute today. He said, Kath, what if you put it off a year and I start training and we go together? And I said, honey, I'm not putting it off a year. (laughs) And I said, and I'm thrilled that you would want to go. We have hiked the Grand Canyon. We've hiked Bryce and Zion in Utah and Arizona. I can't even really even look at those pictures because it's not his thing. Mm -hmm. And then staying in hostels or or albergues, you know, and I'm about meeting the people and really having that alone time with prayer, with meditation. He was like, okay, that's the answer. I said, now, if you want to go next year, we can talk about it. Once you've done your solo walk, then maybe it'll be time to do another route or a same thing and show it to him. It's really interesting, though, to listen to you talk about how important the solo journey is for you. It's so courageous to go off on your own. Or crazy. <laughs> well, some people could argue that. Yeah. <laughs> so what what would you share? What have you or what would you share with your husband to ease his mind and ease his heart to know that you're going to be okay out there? Well, I did show him there's a Kamingas Facebook page of women that every day are starting the Camino by themselves. And the fact that my three Camino buddies, one out of the three has gone with someone. The other women have gone alone and made it back. So the other is he sees how I am training, how I've gone to the doctor and made sure that I'm in good shape. And oh, the other is I've planned out the first, I think six, or seven days where I hope I, I'm hoping I make it there. So he'll have that contact information and we will be, you know, we'll talk as often as we can. And with my plan, we just recently were in Europe. So I know that I can talk to him and FaceTime with him or any of that stuff. So letting him know where I am, keeping in touch with him, and then showing him that other people have done it and do it all the time. The other is you're never really alone. That's, yeah, that's the word on the, on the trail. What do you think? Do you think that's true? What, what's the picture in your mind of being alone or not alone on the trail? The Masetta is the thing that has me, probably the thing I've said, if it's possible to have people on the trail with me, that would be great. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think, I, I think that I will meet people, but I think whatever your pace is or you know, and other people are traveling together. And I know that can be, that would be an intrusion sometimes. I'm actually looking forward to the other solo walkers just to have somebody else to, you know, have a meal with or a cup of coffee or a glass of wine. I mean, I believe I will see people. I have heard conflicting things about whether September is a busy season or not. Yes, I, I can address that. I don't think we've said when you're starting. Would you tell us your, your start date? Okay, so I leave here August 27th, okay. 
and I will spend, uh, so I get to Madrid and then I'll be, I'll go right to St. John and spend the two nights there. And then I will start the 30th. Do you know offhand what day of the week the 30th is? Let me see. I think it's a Tuesday. I think that's what we said when we talked earlier. It's a, it's a middle of the week. I asked that because you mentioned busy, September being busy. In my experience, and I've led groups out of St. Sean for a while, the first week of September and the first weekend, definitely maybe the second weekend, are the busiest time of the entire year coming out of St. Jean. So by going on the 30th, you're going to be a little bit ahead of the biggest crowds. I have a theory as to why that's the busiest. When you pick up one of the guidebooks, it's 30 to 35 days in the guidebooks in terms of how they lay out the stages for the Camino Frances. And I think what happens is people look at that and go, well, I want to go in September and it's 33 days. I'll start on September 1st. And I think, I think so many people think that way. And then they, you know, mix up their flights and see how close to that they can get. And then it ends up being really, really busy. So you've got a great little head start on a big chunk of that crowd. Oh, I hope so. Probably the question I also have for you is what happens, you know, I'm hoping to stay like two days ahead of where I think I will be. I don't know how practical that is, but what happens if you get somewhere and you really need to stop and there's no room at the end? Yes. And that does, that does happen in the busier times. Greater chance if there's only one or two places to stay, of course, and there are more pilgrims. The choices at that point are either to take a taxi or a bus ahead to the next stop or keep walking to the next stop. And people who take the bus or taxi sometimes will go back where they left off the next morning and pick up walking so that, you know, for some people, it's really important to walk every single step of the way. And I've done that. And I've not done that, right? So on, on different walks. And what I realized is it's a very personal choice, whether it's important to walk every step or not. And it also gives you a unique experience. The experience of walking every step is different from the experience of not walking every step. And there's something there for, for both experiences for everybody. Right. And that's one of those things that I'm leaving up to God, that understanding the uniqueness of everyone's Camino it's kind of like, like I was saying before, you know, the unknown. I always thought I wanted to have natural childbirth until I had a child. And then I decided natural childbirth is me having birth without makeup on. <laughs> and so, you know, you go in thinking that's what you're going to do. But I came out having a healthy baby and not biting my husband again and everything else, you know. That's what matters, the healthy baby. It's the journey that's important. And I hope I walk every step. That's my goal. And that's my fear that I won't, truthfully. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you'll walk into. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Now, I, I'd like to talk a little bit about your planning and preparation process. Now, you have a tremendous career background as a professional in sales and marketing. You are an executive coach, 
and you work with businesses and faith-based organizations and individuals. So you've got some superpowers. You, you've got some. You've got a really strong skill set. Will you share with us a little bit about how you planned and prepared? Did you use those superpowers? How did that help you or not help you in getting ready for your Camino? That is such a good question. From a business perspective, I really paced my client load so that that it would be much lighter right now because I'm really going to be focusing even more on, you know, my quads and, and walking. It takes time to train, doesn't it? It absolutely does. And I have been, it's been hit or miss from the beginning of the year, but as it was getting closer and as my friends were going off on their Camino, it just got, you know, I thought, okay, I need to be doing this more regularly. So the, the advice that I got from my Camino buddies was, I said, do I need to be walking 12 to 13, 16 miles a day in training? And they said, no, you could chance an injury. You're going to get eventually get stronger. So I have been doing easily six, seven miles every day. If I can't get in like today, uh, I could tell I was getting my very first blister in my training, by the way. So I stopped at three and a half miles and I decided to do more exercises. So I did uh, a lot of squats and some other, some lunges and a couple other things. And I called it a day. Now, from my business perspective, all my clients know that are, that I see monthly or maybe a couple times a month, they are aware that I will be gone. And I now have it in my signature that, you know, important reminder that I'm going to be gone. But to me, that time management, focusing on what's really important. When you go away for six weeks, you've got to set up your life. You've got to prepare your life and prepare the people in it to function without you. And it sounds like you've done a really beautiful job of that. And as a professional, you'll also be able to come right back and pick up where you left off because you're doing the careful planning. Exactly. Exactly. I don't want to leave anyone high and dry. When you are an executive coach, you are really helping an executive navigate some of the communication leadership landmines there there may be. You've got some communication superpowers. You do. You really do. And that and that's what I encourage people to do is whatever you're good at, whatever your strengths are, Take that to the planning process and take that to the preparation because that will serve you really well. Oh, that's, you know, I, I, I hadn't really even thought of it that way, but you do make a good point. Talking with my husband was one thing and it was probably uh, the hardest thing. But when my children, when I told my children, what really cracked me up is I'm thinking, I was expecting them to be worried about me, but they're worried about my husband being alone. I love it. My two daughters, the oldest and the youngest, they thought my Camino buddies were going with me. And when they discovered that, then there was a little bit of fear in their face that you're going to be going through woods and you're going to be going. And I said, I will be smart. There is a path. There will be other pilgrims. So I thought that was really, really cute. But they all were very, they are wanting to make sure that Joe is okay. I will be gone during his birthday. Okay. 
Okay. So I am already sending birthday cards that my son's going to mail and birthday cards that my daughters are going to mail. And I'm having a few things sent so that it's a proxy Kathy being there for his, for his birthday. I love it. And again, there's your superpower. You're looking at all the bases and making sure that everything's covered and that people are cared for, but also empowered to be cared for is what I see. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. I really like that. So we've covered a lot of ground and you have given us so much good information. And and I have this picture in my head of you on the Camino and you in Saint-Jean and you in all these places that are so familiar to those of us who have already walked it. And what's so fun is we we can picture you there and we can imagine you working through the struggles or the challenges and enjoying those adult beverages with the other pilgrims. So we can imagine you doing all that. So I'm starting to imagine you in Santiago at the end of your journey. And I want to see if you can imagine yourself there as well. And imagine that you've completed this long journey and you've walked into Santiago and have done whatever you do when you're in Santiago. There's so many great things, great places to eat, as well as the traditions of a pilgrim. What do you hope to bring back from your Camino? Oh, that is, that's really a very good question. You know, I have envisioned myself in uh, Compostela. So there is a part of me that's already anticipating it being an emotional. The other is, I hope I come back with clarity. You know, again, on a spiritual level, you know, I'm in a different season of my life. And having different goals and different challenges are really important to me. I think, you know, I think clarity, I think gratefulness, I hope I come back with that. But I, I, I really don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's a great place to be a really great place to be. And so this, this is sort of the counter question to that. Do you have plans for after the Camino? Or are you going to wait and see who comes back? You know, when you asked about what kind of ritual or how I plan to walk the Camino. And I mentioned about offering up prayers. The other is I really, I want to be a blessing to other people, but I also need to learn how to have, allow other people to be a blessing to me. That's probably something that, you know, the unknown again, but it's hard for me to take help. And, and it's funny because I often feel when you are praying about something, God gives you the opportunity to uh, have that prayer answered. So, you know, praying for courage, I'm going out on this venture, praying for to be a blessing and, and to appreciate blessings. You know, you kind of got to watch what you wish for and pray for. <laughs> there, there is that Chinese proverb. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I think you are so well positioned to go off on your Camino experience and your Camino journey. And I just wish you, I wish you your Camino. Oh, thank you. There's nothing else to wish you, is there? Oh, thank you. I, I, you know, like I said, my biggest fear, other than getting lost, is injury. I would say I'm a healthy woman in her 60s, but, you know, I don't want to have an injury and I, to prevent me from going because it's already been, I feel like my Camino has been start, stop, start, 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 and the epiphany that this is really happening. I've got my ticket. I felt that way when I bought my airline tickets. 
it's like, I'm doing this. It's like the, uh, the saying, you throw your hat over the wall and then you have to go over the wall yeah. <laughs> to get your hat. I have never heard that expression. You're going over the wall. Kathy, it's such a delight to talk with you. And I am actually hoping that we'll be able to talk when you get back. Oh, that would be lovely. That would be lovely. Those who are listening to this will be waiting for you to come back and report to us. And I'm just going to envision for you an injury-free, illness-free, safe, fulfilling walk. Thank you. Thank you very much. I feel blessed. I appreciate that. As do I. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been yeah. a pleasure, Nancy, really. So, so glad to talk with you. Okay. Well, lucky me that I get to be with pilgrims who are on their way to walk the Camino de Santiago in Spain. It's been such a blessing to sit with Kathy, and I'm looking forward to all of our future interviews with other pilgrims. We've got some coming up who are getting ready to walk other routes, and I think you'll really enjoy hearing from these people. Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you in the future episodes. I wanted to share a few final thoughts on my conversation with Kathy before I give you this episode's top tip. Kathy shared with us how important St. James, or Santiago, has been to her faith formation and spiritual life. She talked about the lessons she took from the book of James in the Bible, specifically that the author calls on the faithful to help people, to extend themselves to others, and to refrain from judging. That sounds like the spirit of the pilgrimage to Santiago de Compostela to me. There is some debate among scholars as to which James wrote this particular book of the Bible. It could have been our St. James, who was a cousin of Jesus of Nazareth, or it may have been the James who was the brother of Jesus, or even another James who was known at that time. Regardless of which James authored this book, I'm taking with me the message to help, to extend myself, and to try not to judge others as they make their way along the Camino de Santiago. And now the top tip for this episode, always look behind you. We've probably all heard the phrase, don't look back which is good advice when you need to leave something unpleasant or undesirable behind you. But for the Camino, I'm going to suggest you do the exact opposite. Always look behind you. Let me give you some context. When hiking over the Pyrenees Mountains, two things always happen for me. One, I'm always mesmerized by the incredible, beautiful vistas as I ascend the mountain. And two, I'm frequently out of breath from walking up the steep parts of the mountain road and trail. Looking behind me gives me the perfect reminder to enjoy the views, and it allows me to catch my breath at the same time. There's a more practical reason too. On my first Camino walk in 2005, for some reason, I took only one trekking pole with me. I quickly realized that I needed a second one, if only for balance, but really because that's how you get the most benefit from them. So when I was in the city of Leon, I visited a sporting goods store to buy another pole. Then I went and sat on a bench in a plaza for a while. When I got up and walked away, 
I left the trekking pole behind me. When I realized my mistake about 15 minutes later and returned to the plaza, the pole was gone. That's when my break mantra became, always look behind you, Nancy. Not only do I lose fewer items, but I'm also more aware of my surroundings and more conscious of being present in the moment I am in, rather than in some future still-to-come moment. So enjoy the views, catch your breath, and buen camino. Bye for now. Would you like to share your story of getting ready to walk the Camino de Santiago and receive some personalized guidance on your planning and preparations? If you have not yet walked a Camino and would like to be a guest on this podcast, please email nancy at thecaminoexperience.com or go to the website thecaminoexperience.com for more information.